0: Well, good morning again. There you are. Turn to Acts chapter ten this morning. Acts chapter ten. We're actually going to camp out in that chapter the whole time. So get to Acts ten. Feel safe about it. We are uh, we are going through in the process of working through the DNA of our church. What does it look like for us to be a great commission? Church And last week uh, we talked about our vision and we talked about uh, our strategy and, and all of this again is rooted in the Great Commission, that this is the work for the church that we're to be about is what Jesus said in the Great Commission and we're working that through in terms of what language are we going to use, how are we going to understand how that applies to us locally and today and uh, your vision is, is just a statement about who we want to be as a community And last week we said that our vision is to be a church where all people can discover and follow Jesus right where they are and wherever they are sent. And your strategy is about how do you actually do that? Like, what does it look like to to get there? And because our vision is a statement about who we wanna be as a church, it's a statement about who we are, an identity statement, then your strategy has to be about becoming a certain kind of person, right? So becoming a certain kind of community is going to require us to be certain types of people. We have to live in a certain way if we are to become a certain kind of group. And so we said last week that our strategy, uh, the way that we become the kind of church that we want to be, is by focusing the whole of our lives on apprenticeship to Jesus and participation in his family. And that's what we preached through last week. I would encourage you, if you missed any of that, this is a really important time in our church to really soak ourselves in who we're gonna be and what it looks like to to be part of this family. So I would encourage you to go back and listen. But now what we're gonna begin to do, what we're gonna do really for the next several weeks is we're gonna key in on that strategy and we're gonna go, okay, the whole of our lives in apprenticeship to Jesus and participation in his family, how does that actually play out? Like, What are gonna be our our habits and our disciplines? What are our routines gonna look like? How is this actually going to work for us to uh, become this kind of, uh, of church? What does it really look like for me to be an apprentice or a student of Jesus? And what does it really look like for us to do this together as a uh, as a family. So what I am going to show you this morning is a picture that's going to have three different circles in it. You're going to see three different things. One of the things you're going to see is uh, something called starting points. That starting points is not there now, but maybe it will be eventually. And if it's not, just pretend like it is. Uh, Starting points is where it all begins, right? This is this is what we're going to cover this morning. It's where it all begins, but once your story and your participation in the life of this church begins, we move on to what's called ongoing steps and unique steps. Now, we're going to get to those, not today, but just understand that our ongoing and our unique steps, which you don't see pictured here, are... Oh, there they are. There they are. You don't have to pretend anymore. It's on the screen. Those ongoing and unique steps, those are going to be the habits, the disciplines, the routines, the practices of people that call themselves family here at this church. So if you're a member of this church, those are going to be things that describe what your life should look like as a member of of this church. Now we're going to get to those uh, again in the next few weeks. But what I want to clarify this morning before we move on from this big picture uh, overview is this is not describing uh, this is not the process by which someone comes to know Jesus. If we were looking at that we would we would maybe draw that in a totally different way. That's not what we're looking at here. What we're talking about here is the process of what it looks like for you to become part of this church. Again, the ongoing and unique steps are about what it looks like to be a member here. The starting points, which is what you're discovering or we're going to talk about today, is what it looks like to begin this journey. Now, I wanna say just a quick word on membership because we hear that word and it can make us maybe a little uncomfortable or we don't know quite what that means. What membership is, is a a covenant. It's a covenant commitment that we make together. So when you say, I wanna be a member of this church, what that covenant is, is that we're saying that we're gonna live out the Christian life together and locally with this group of people through thick and thin. That's what membership in a church should look like. That's what membership is. And so if that's true, then there's gotta be some standard. We've gotta say, okay, then this is what our lives together are gonna look like. And again, we're gonna get to that in just, uh, in just a few weeks. But today, we're gonna look at starting points. I wanna, I wanna define that really quick and then we're gonna jump in. A starting point is just an event or a relationship or a circumstance, right? So it's super broad. It's an event, a relationship, or a circumstance which was the catalyst for you connecting with this church. It's just, the question is, how'd you end up here? How did you get here? Maybe there was something going on in your life and you went, man, I just gotta get in the church somehow. I got questions about God and I've seen that church there on South Street and so you walk in our doors. Maybe it's somebody you know, maybe it's family, maybe you were in the womb and present at this church and so you've been here just because mama's been dragging you to church for a long time. I don't know, but the point is that that everybody has a unique story. Everybody has a way in which they began here at this church and so you your starting point is really just a way of describing that. We've used the image of a road trip throughout this, uh, throughout this vision casting that we've been doing. And the starting point is literally kind of going, okay, we're going to go on a trip. Like we're going to begin, we're going to go somewhere. It's that moment that's the, that's the catalyst. It's interesting to think about your own story. Maybe for some of you, you're literally here for the first time. If you are, like, why are you even here? Did somebody invite you? Why did you come? This is your starting point. For those of you that have been here for 30 years, why are you here? Just think about your own story. What was it that caused you to walk in this room maybe for the first time? But if that's what a starting point is, and you may think this ought to be pretty quick, like what do we, what do we need to really study? If it's that random, if it's that uh, odd, the, the, and, and it's that unique to each person, what are we even looking at when we're looking at starting points, if, if, if that's all that it is? We don't really need to pay too much attention to it. We don't really have a role, but we do. And I wanna talk about, if you're sitting in the room this morning, particularly if you're a member of this church, what is our role as it relates to starting points, if all a starting point is, is a moment when somebody chooses to interact with our church. And I wanna tell you, I wanna start this morning by saying that our job as members of this church, our job is to create a certain kind of culture. And that culture we're defining as a culture of welcome. Now I wanna walk through that because that can sound kind of up in the clouds. What does that mean, create a culture of welcome? Let's do some defining really quick. What is it, what it? When we talk about a culture, what is a culture? Really simply, a culture is an environment. It's an environment that's made up of certain attitudes and actions and ways of thinking. Think about it. When we talk about the culture of the world, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about certain attitudes, ways of doing things. We're talking about a collective normal. It's a way of describing the way things are in a certain group of people. The interesting thing about a culture is that a culture is not a fixed thing. A culture is fluid and constantly changing because a culture is constructed by groups of individuals, right? So we collectively have a responsibility in creating the culture that exists at Fredonia Hill. And how is that created? Well, it's created by the attitudes and actions and behaviors of individuals in the room. So it's fixed. If we don't like the culture, well, we can change it, right? So that's what a culture is. But what is the word welcome? What does that mean? It's really simple. Welcome literally means to gladly receive. Receive. Welcome means to gladly receive. So we're going to put that together this morning. And we're going to say that we are responsible for creating a culture of welcome in this place that doesn't just exist when we're here, but goes with us into the community, And both of those are vital that exists here and goes with us into the community. There's a question that I want to put before you that I think is going to guide us for the rest of this time. And then we're going to jump into Acts 10. And it's this. If God, who is at work and at work mightily, in the life of somebody in our community, somebody outside of these doors, if God is at work mightily in the lives of people outside of our doors, if God brought them into your life or brought them into the life of this church as a collective, if they bumped into you at work or they walked in these doors, would they find someone or a group of people eagerly awaiting to go on the journey of discovering what God is up to in their life? If they bump into you in the office or if they walk in this room, are they going to find a group of people who are curious and eager and want to connect in such a way that they can discover what God might be up to in their life? And then if not, how do we get there? We have to create a culture of welcome. And I want to look at a few things today that I think are going to help us wrap our head around. So you're in Acts chapter 10. Now this is a story that many of you have probably heard before. Very oftentimes, and maybe even in your Bible, the story is titled, or some of the sections in there are titled, The Conversion of Cornelius. All right, in Acts chapter 10, we're going to read about Peter and we're going to read about Cornelius. And oftentimes it's referred to as the conversion of Cornelius. But here's what I want us to do today. I want us to try to look at it in a bit of a different way. I want us to try to see the story today, not as the conversion of Cornelius, but as the, con- the conversion of Peter, Peter has to get converted in this story. And that's what I wanna look at today because I think in this moment, there's gonna be some key sections that are gonna help us understand what a culture of welcome really might look like. It's a whole chapter. I'm not gonna read the whole thing to you. I'm gonna do some bits of summary and then we're gonna read specifically. But Luke in his account and in Acts, Luke tells us about a man named Cornelius. And here's what he tells us. We know that Cornelius is a Gentile, that he's a man that's attached to the Roman authority. And if you know anything about the relationship between the Romans and the Jews, it's not a healthy buddy-buddy kind of relationship. But there are some Gentiles which are referred to as God-fearers. And Cornelius kind of fits in this category. Now, this is a broad category, and we don't know exactly what that means about Cornelius, but we know a few things for sure. And one of those is that he, as a general rule, it would mean that Cornelius was a man of high character, that he was, in general, a good man. The other thing that we know about him, because he's a God-fearer, is that he was, in some way, and we don't know the details here, Luke doesn't tell us, but in some way, he is sympathetic to the Jews, that he's not necessarily in opposition, though he would seem like that on the surface, that he's sympathetic to the Jews. And then the other piece of information that Luke tells us that that is true about Cornelius is that he is a man that is seeking after truth. He is hungry in some way, he's seeking after truth. He is in serious pursuit of the knowledge of God. And so Luke tells us that an angel shows up and visits Cornelius. And that the angel tells him that God has heard him pray. Again, Cornelius is seeking and God has heard him pray. And it tells him that he needs to send for a man named Peter something that Peter has or some news that Peter may know is going to be important in the thing that Cornelius is seeking after. And so he's instructed by the angel to send to Joppa for a man named Peter. Well, then Luke switches the scene and he takes us to a rooftop in Joppa where Peter is fasting and praying. And he has this vision. And he has this vision where this basically a picnic cloth that comes down out of heaven. And that, that picnic cloth is a buffet. It is full of all sorts of animals. The interesting thing about what's on that cloth is that most of those animals were considered unclean by Jewish law. And a voice tells him, with this plate of unclean food, a voice tells Peter to rise and kill and eat. I wanna pick up the story right there in verse 14. Again, Peter is seeing this vision of things that are unclean according to Jewish law. The voice says to rise and kill and eat. Look at verse 14. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, What God has called clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. I think you're going to, Maybe start to wrap your head around why I'm calling this the conversion of Peter. The thing happens three times. There's this tense dialogue as Peter sees what he sees, but he hears what he hears, and those things seem to be in contradiction and intention, and Peter's wrestling through this. But what I want you to, to hear is those words where, it's, where, where God says, What God has made clean, do not call common. Now, here in a minute, Peter and Cornelius are gonna meet, but we're not to that story yet. We haven't gotten to that part. But what I want you to see is that before Peter even meets this Gentile man seeking the Lord, before they even meet, God has to train Peter on how to see. Before there's ever any personal interaction, God has to train Peter on how to see. And it's our first point this morning. Our first point is that a culture of welcome requires of us to see others from God's perspective. We have to be more specific than that though. A culture of welcome requires of us to see others through the lens of God acting in Jesus for the sin of all humanity. For the sin of all humanity. See, what God had to retrain Peter to do was to retrain Peter to see in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. See, because Peter was still looking at things in an old way. He was converted. He had put his faith in Jesus. He was filled with the Spirit, but he needed to be trained on how to see in light of Jesus' death and resurrection, He had to see the world in a way that was cross-shaped. And we need to have that same sort of conversion. Before we talk about what it looks like to interact with people out there, or people that might walk in here, we need to be in prayer asking God to help us see clearly. Because no matter what happens, no matter who walks in that door, if we don't see them the way that God sees them in light of Jesus' death and resurrection, we will act in a way that is not appropriate to the kingdom of God. Are you with me? So the first part of conversion is to have our eyes and our mind and our heart recalibrated to see the world in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. And that's the beginning for Peter. And I think we need God to train us how to see. I think we need God to train us how to see. How? do we look at people? Every person that we encounter is made in God's image and an object of his divine and ferocious love. Every person that you pass on the street is made in God's image and the object, the fixed object, of the divine love of God displayed on the cross of Jesus. Every single one, with no exception. Is that the way we see the world? We need to learn how to see. If we're gonna have and embody a culture of welcome, we need to learn how to see. Jump in at verse 17. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, <laughs> I didn't say the process was gonna be easy. There's a <laughs> There's a teaching, there's a working on us that God needs to do. And Peter is inwardly perplexed at what the vision he'd seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one that you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? I want to focus on Peter's question. He goes in obedience to the Spirit and he asks these men, okay, I'm that guy with that name. (laughs) Still inwardly perplexed. And he says, what is the reason that you're coming. And I want to just ask you after our eyes have been changed, after we've relearned how to see the world in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus, I want to ask what might change in our interactions with strangers if the question that Peter has asked is also the question on our mind. What is the reason that you're coming? Have you ever thought about that? Somebody walks in the door for the first time, have you ever thought what would be the reason that they would walk in this door? Have you ever been curious enough to find out? And so the second point is is for us to say this, that God is at work. He is at work in the lives of those around us, whether we are aware of it or not. Peter answers the door and has no idea what has been going on in Cornelius' house. But has God been working? Yeah. And I think as a church, we need a little bit of dose of humble pie because I think we get this attitude that somehow we have ownership on the presence of God and we're the one that brings him out into the community. And I just want to tell you, he's already there. Who do we think we are announcing that we have this monopoly when God, by the power of his spirit, is at work out there already? We need a little humility that says, why are you here? What might God be up to? So the second point, again, is that God is at work in the lives of those around us, whether we know what that looks like or not. But when our stories intersect, when our stories intersect, it's an opportunity to discover what God is up to. Listen. The question is not whether or not God is active. The question is whether or not you and I want to do the heavy lifting to discover what he's doing. Are you looking for God in the story of the stranger? Are you seeking? What might that look like? Let's make it simple. Are you asking questions? Are you getting to know? Or are you just, hi, welcome to Front Hill. Glad you're here. Hope you find a Sunday school class. Right? If I was genuinely interested in what God might be up to in your story, it might take a little longer than that. Am I positioning myself in your story as a humble listener? As somebody asking questions, ready to hear what God might be up to? Are we asking questions? Are we listening to people's stories? Or are we just hoping that our Sunday school versus worship attendance percentages get more closely aligned? Can I say I am hoping for that? <laughs> but I'm also hoping that we're not just somehow hoping that, that bottoms are in seats. <laughs> but that we are actively pursuing what God might be orchestrating by bringing this group of people right now together for this moment. All right, kids, thank you for your patience. In your bags, in your bags right here. I want you to take this out, don't open it. Just look at it, just look at it. It says, don't open, till Pastor Kendall says to open. Here's what I want you to do. Parents, you may have to help with this. Kids, I want you to think about what might be in here. Just let your imagination go wild. What could be in here? Parents, keep it closed. And slowly, while keeping it closed, I want you to break the tabs. Right? Keep it closed. And I need three kids, just to, or just kids. Shout out. What do you think's in here? Just shout all at the same time. What do you think's in here? Money. Yeah, money! <laughs> What's in here? Here's the point. I'm going to make this point, and then we're going to open this up. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Who knows what we might find? Who knows when we meet the stranger, when we meet the outsider, who knows when we listen and ask questions, when we get into relationship, who knows what God might be up to? The only way we're gonna know is if we become humble listeners in their story. All right, kids, I don't know. Let's see if any of you guessed it. Open it up, go! Go! Open it up, a butterfly that flew out. Who guessed that right? None of you. <laughs> Nobody knew, that's the point. L- listen, I know, this, I know, come on, with me, adults, are you with me? Come on, can we see it? And then like, man, what beautiful, wonderful thing might you discover if you took the time to interact with the stranger, with the outsider? I can't tell you how many times the stranger and the outsider has blessed me far more than I could have ever imagined. I can't tell you how many times the stranger and the outsider has become a friend. And that friend has moved me along as I've pursued apprenticeship with Jesus. Who knows what you might discover? All right, so here's the deal. Peter joins the guys that come to his house. He joins them. And they go to uh, Cornelius's house. And, and this w- really weird moment, this kind of awkward moment, when he shows up, Cornelius lays down and worships Peter. I just want you to put yourself, and Peter's like, no, 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 no. This isn't right. And can I just say here, just kind of humorously, as we welcome the outsider and as we get to know the stranger, there's gonna be some awkward Right? I'm not saying they're gonna fall down and worship you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, there could be a little bit of awkward. Just get ready for it. Smile, it's gonna happen, right? If you've, if you've interacted with me for the first time, I guarantee you, you've had awkward. I am awful at small talk and meeting new people. Terrible at it. If you have met me for the first time, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's gonna be awkward, smile, Jump into Acts 10, 33. Cornelius says, so I sent for you at once and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. I love this. This is the moment in the story where we get to see where it kind of clicks. Cornelius has the awkward moment where he worships Peter and then he gets up and he goes, okay, you have something for me. And then Peter says, now I get it. Truly, I understand. For both of them, it kind of clicks right here in this moment. Peter is converted. Do you see it? Truly, I understand. Now I see. Those are the words of, of Peter's conversion in this moment. Now look what happens. So Peter shares the gospel with him. And look at verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, he's sharing about Jesus and the Holy Spirit interrupts him. (laughs) While he's still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who'd come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit? Look at this, just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Look at this sentence. Don't miss it. Then they asked him to remain for some days. I don't know if you got it at the beginning of the story, but you could not have come up with two people more far apart. Peter and Cornelius, just every category as you were to line it up, you, you just could not come up with more pe- two people that were more far apart. These are two men that on the on the surface would look like bitter enemies that there is no way that there would be a coming together you've got a, you've got a devout Jewish man who's who's basically kind of on the run because of his devotion to Jesus he's an outsider with the Jews and an outsider to the Romans the Romans are fiercely pursuing and occupying uh, the, the, the Jewish people and and are absolutely in contradiction to their cause and Cornelius is not just a Gentile, but he's all wrapped up in that Roman authority thing. He, they are as antithetical to one another as you could possibly be. And yet here at the close of the story with the powerful work of God right in the middle of them, it says these words, then they asked him to remain for some days. These two who were so far apart are brought together by the hand of God and now are family. Here's the deal. the, The final point for the morning is that a culture of welcome results in the mutual enjoyment of the powerful hand of God at work in our lives. See, because look at what Peter sees and look at what Cornelius sees now because they shared a story with one another, because they allowed for the work of God to bring their lives together. Look at what they see. Cornelius now sees and knows the God he was seeking after. Peter, Peter now sees more fully and knows what it really means for Jesus to have died and been resurrected on behalf of all mankind. A culture of welcome allows for us to be joined together when before we were strangers. Who knows who might walk through those doors? I don't know. I don't know what God is up to. I hear stories, but who knows who might walk Through those doors. And who knows what God might be doing in their life. Who knows who's gonna sit down in your office this week. Who knows who's gonna randomly bump into you at little league practice. Who knows, who knows who's gonna walk through the doors of your life or walk through the doors of this church or walk through the doors of your Sunday school class or just show up randomly. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) But what might God be up to And the only way that we're gonna find out, the only way that we're gonna find out is for you individually and this place as a whole to be a place that gladly receives the stranger and the outsider. That's the only way we'll know. Because the truth is they could walk through these doors and not be known. Without a culture of welcome, God could bring a 1,000 through those doors and you know who will leave? a 1,000. But who knows who might walk through those doors and discover a people who are eager to hear what God might be up to in their life, what God is up to in ours, and how those two things might be woven together for the greater good of his glory. And the only way to find out is to be a place where we gladly receive, to embody a culture of welcome. I want you to stand with me, I wanna move into our time of invitation. If this is going to be a culture, if this is gonna be a culture, then this must be owned individually and collectively. We can't just say this is what we need to be as a church. We have to take our spot in it as individuals. Every single one of us in this room this morning has a role to play in this house being a culture of welcome. I wanna just emphasize this, that this is not something that happens when we gather. It should happen when we gather, but that's not the only place that a culture of welcome ought to be made manifest. It should happen here and taken with you as you go. You should as an individual, if it's ever gonna happen for us as a collective, you as an individual have to live a life of welcome. Is your office a place of welcome? Is it a place where whoever walks in is gladly received and valued and known for for being an image bearer and an object of God's divine love? Is your home a manifestation of that culture? Is your Sunday school class? Is your run club? Is your bridge group? Is your, I don't know, does anybody play bridge anymore? Shout out to, what's up, Margie? <laughs> Come on. The point is, it's not something that we try hard to do here by having good greeters in the parking lot and everybody saying, hi. It becomes a part of who we are. And, it, and, it, and so it has to happen here if it's who we are, right? but it also goes with us wherever we go. I want us to take inventory this morning. That's what I want is the invitation is just for us to take inventory of our personal lives and, as, and our lives together. I want us to look inwardly at this house. Does anything need to change? Does anything need to change? How can we act in a way? What are our attitudes and our actions and our environments? How can we change those to to be a place that gladly welcomes? And I wanna just leave us with this question and then pray. If God, who's working mightily in the lives of those in our community, if he brings them into your life or into the life of this church, would they find people who are eagerly awaiting Going on that journey with them? I think it's a good question for us to ponder. Holy Spirit, we just, well, I know that I am a man that needs a conversion. I know that many times I just see it too small. I make all sorts of assumptions about people. I have fixed in my mind that I, I somehow know their story. I somehow have them categorized and, and figured out. And I just, I just know that I'm just like Peter on the rooftop, that I'm puzzled I don't get it. How is it this big? I need a conversion. I need you to help fix my eyes on the cross, fix my eyes on the resurrection. I need help by the power of your spirit to see others the way that you see them. God, help open my eyes, help open our eyes. God, we pray that you would change us as people. And we pray that this would be a place where the stranger and the outsider can come in and be gladly received. Holy Spirit, we know this is only something that can happen through you. So we yield to you in our lives. In Jesus' name.